man. Wow. That's too bad. <laughs> oh, shoot. Welcome to the Small Scale Life Podcast. Hello there, everyone. I'm your host, Tom. Welcome to the podcast today. All right, I can't do that. That's way too down. Let's do this again. Welcome to the Small Scale Life Podcast. Welcome to the Small Scale Life Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Dommers. Well, we're rapidly rolling through June, and by now your plants should be really starting to grow. In this episode, it's time for another garden update. And while our gardens might be growing, our plants are under siege from pests of all shapes and sizes. I'm dealing with pests here in my small raised beds, and I want to give you a heads up about some common and unusual pests before too many of you lose productive plants. Now, this episode was recorded on the road. I was coming back from a trip to Wisconsin, so you're going to get a little road noise. Um, going to try to do that a little bit more, so don't be worried about it. It's all part of production. And uh, I figured, hey, why not use a little bit of that time when I'm on the road? So here's a garden update. Uh, things have changed since this update, and I'll try to tag a little bit on the back end of this episode as well. So before we begin the podcast, before before we begin with this episode, we have a lot of new listeners on the Small Scale Life podcast. In case you're new to our podcast and blog, Small Scale Life is about a little simple living, a little urban homesteading and gardening, and a, a lot, lot of, of adventures, adventures along, along the, the way. way. I just want to say thank you. We wouldn't be here doing this podcast if it wasn't for you, the listeners. It's really great to see our numbers continue to climb. If you really want to support our show, there's ways you can do that. I've been approached by some of you who are wondering how you can support Small Scale Life. And you can support our work here by purchasing products from our affiliates. Yes, we do have a few affiliates. And today, we're going to talk about two of them. Our first sponsor is Website Cheetah. If you're interested in starting a new blog or podcast, setting up the infrastructure to make it go can be downright overwhelming. Do you want to have a website that's built to produce results? Website Cheetah is a new service that has three different packages for you to start your new venture. With Website Cheetah, you will have a site that is SSL compliant, has basic analytics, is mobile responsive, has a visual page editor with basic SEO, and is fully secure. Can you do that all on your own successfully? I know I've tried. It's tough to do. So why not have an expert do it? Check out Website Cheetah and start your new venture today. Use this link on smallscalelife.com. There's a link that is for our affiliate. Using their service, you'll support the Small Scale Life podcast. Once you have that site in place, it's time to drive an audience to it. As a content creator, there's nothing more frustrating than sitting down, writing the perfect blog post, or recording the perfect podcast, posting it, and getting little to no traffic consuming that content. We've all been there. It really stinks, and it takes a while to get momentum. But what if you could get potentially thousands of people per month consuming your content? That's a lot of potential customers. What if you could get them coming to your site automatically just by their Google searches? There is a way you can do that. 
Keyword Cheetah is a proven method and process that helps you target niche audiences that will be searching for your content. When you publish articles using Keyword Cheetah, you will optimize your SEO, you will optimize Google, and you'll bring that traffic to you. Check out Keyword Cheetah. I've used this service. It works. When you order, please use the link provided by us on smallscalelife.com to support our show and blog. We thank you a ton. I mean, these are great services and they pay for themselves in the long run. So make sure you check them out, order them up today, and you'll see some results. I've been talking about the last couple podcasts about a new potential uh, affiliate coming on. Still trying to work out a couple things with that. I'm really excited. It's all about canning and preserving food. So I cannot wait for this, uh, this new affiliate to come on. And as soon as it's up, I will have a blog post dedicated for this. So stay tuned, everybody. It's coming. (laughs) Um, Sharon has been really busy, but I'm really excited to bring her on and and really have her part of the Small Scale Life group of resources for you to use, especially as we roll into harvest season. And there's going to be a lot of stuff happening, a lot of salsa, a lot of dilly beans, a lot of pickles, a lot of preserving of stuff. So stay tuned. We're going to have that. Thanks to our sponsors. Thank you to our affiliates. Make sure you check them out and buy their services and use their products you are supporting our show by spending your hard-earned money with those services and we do appreciate it and if you want more shows and more content on from small scale life use those services we will create more all right so now into the main part of the podcast i know it's all that advertising stuff and advertising is is part of the game here i mean it helps us pay the bills and and all the other fees that pop up especially as we use some of these services ourselves so how are your plants doing so far this season We are moving to a point of no return in the 2018 garden season here. And what do I mean by that? Well, with us getting into late June, there is a point where plants like tomatoes, peppers, squash, zucchini, they just can't be replaced and still generate a decent harvest for the season. We're we're coming up to that point really quickly. Some of you folks down in Texas maybe don't have to worry about that or southern states don't have to worry about that because, hey, it's summer all year round, right? But some of us up here in the north, we are hitting that point where something happens, like a bug comes in and eats your vine squash borer or eats all your leaves, cabbage worms, or digs up all your plants. We'll talk about that. There's no chance for you to replace those. And that is a big problem, right? It really stinks. So you have to have a different strategy. The bottom line is if you lose, start to lose any plants a little, as we march into the late June and early July, it's going to be really difficult to replace that plant, especially with tomatoes. It's just really tough to do that. Um, so this is why pests are just so difficult and so frustrating and just maddening when they show up in the garden. I mean, I'm sure pests have a reason and a place in this world, but they don't have a place in my garden. I'm not happy about them. And I, especially when I've been working hard to create healthy and happy plants and all of a sudden, whoosh, here comes the pest to wipe them out, right? I, I'm doing this to, produ- well, as a stress reliever because I like it, but I'm also trying to produce food for my family. So I'm not here to feed the pests at this point. So without much ado, it's time to discuss how the garden's doing. We're going to talk about garden pests with this season. We've already encountered some here, and uh, they're different than I had last year. Last year, I battled slugs. I've got a couple different ones now that have uh, been just driving me crazy. Now, some of these pests are more destructive than others, but regardless, 
The key is, the bottom line is, you have to check your garden daily and make sure that you address and dispatch each pest quickly or deal with. Maybe not dispatch, but deal with. You have to have a strategy, you have to have a plan, and you have to execute. So without further ado, here is this week's garden update. Hey everybody, this is Tom. Back, coming back at you, I am actually on the road. The gardens are doing, we're doing okay. Uh, we had some, uh, had some pests <laughs> visit before I left. I had some cabbage worms that I dispatched properly, uh, promptly and properly. I had, a, I think about five of them were chewing on the kohlrabi and also the uh, broccoli. You can tell by looking at the leaves and they're, full, they're becoming Swiss cheese. So make sure that you check your leaves um, and eliminate any moths, um, caterpillars that might be there. They're little green caterpillars. Really tough to see. When they initially start, um, they'll be on the underside of the leaves. And then as they get a little little older, a little more mature, a little, little uh, longer, they can be like an inch and a half long. And they will hide right um, perfectly with with the stem uh, and where the stem meets the leaf and um, they blend right in. I mean, they're the perfect color, right? If you have like a purple kohlrabi or some cabbage or something, they really stand out because of their green color. But with normal green kohlrabi or broccoli, they just blend right in. And the only way you tell is looking at your leaves, seeing that they're, they're all covered in holes and uh, some of the leaves might be half gone. That's a telltale sign that these hungry little buggers are going to town on your on your plants. So check those over. Anywhere you have holes in your plants and the leaves of your plants, check for those for for the cabbage worms. They are destructive. They must be eliminated um, as soon as possible because you want you want to get something out of this work, right? Um, the second uh, pest. I don't know. This is maybe not a pest, but the second visitor to the garden was something that I did not anticipate at all. Um, you know, we've been, uh, my oldest son, his girlfriend has a, um, half lab, half uh, pit bull, uh, named Karma. And she's a really nice dog, very intelligent, just a sweetie loves to play ball. She's two years old, 60 pounds. Um, but she's a digger. And uh, <laughs> she dug up some of my comfrey when I went to uh, when I went to, to Colorado Springs in Pueblo and uh, hung out with Daniel Freeman and the Colorado crew. Michael Jordan um, dug up five of my comfrey plants, and uh, so I lost those. I still have three, at least at the time of this recording. I have three. Maybe maybe I don't. Um, she was kind of on a tear. Uh, this week. Um, so she dug up a few of those, dug up a uh, delphinium that was planted in a flower bed near the fence, near the, near the garden area. And I guess yesterday, this, this is Friday, so Thursday, she, um, before I left, I had noticed uh, Tuesday night I was making some videos and I noticed that there were some footprints in the garden and I, I was a little unsure what that was all about. But as I was making these videos, Karma was outside and she started to jump into the garden bed. And I was like, oh, this? Really? You're going to do this to me? You're going to do this to my garden bed? 
and I got her out of there, but I guess last night, uh, she got in there and, uh, stomped around, dug around, I don't know, I'll have to evaluate, but, uh, needless to say, I guess I lost some plants, I got, I had some areas torn up, um, in Garden Bed 2, which is Fort Snelling, (laughs) guess Fort got overrun, right, so, um, I'll have to check that out and evaluate uh, the damage and see how bad it is. Not sure. Um, But, yeah, that's the way gardening goes sometimes. And uh, I'm going to have to come up with a solution to keep her out of there. Because as things grow, um, especially the tomatoes, I've heard she does like tomatoes. So um, that's one thing I'm kind of counting on this year I've got a lot of good tomato plants growing the San Marzanos are rocking as are the cherries and I really don't want to lose those plants to um, plants or tomatoes um, due to digging or snacking by 60 pound puppy <laughs> so I'm gonna have to figure out something whether it's uh, a temporary fence around things you know a second barrier fence or something but um, I guess my boys were uh, recognized the uh, the damage right away. My youngest Ryan got home first and was pretty shocked that <laughs> there <laughs> that the beds had gotten the bed had gotten torn up a little bit and and, and uh, thought that Dad would be kind of mad when he gets home. <laughs> we'll see. I don't know. These things happen, you know. Um, so at least there's there's new garden beds that she cannot get into i had um i decided uh last weekend actually got to stay home last weekend and didn't travel so that was cool and i put up two gutters two gutter gardens and it's not the rain gutter grow systems no it's two gutters i went and bought some vinyl gutter from um home depot and i put them on uh, some green tree two by fours and zip tie the two by fours to the fence and filled the gutters with compost, uh, garden soil, and uh, vermiculite mix. Kind of a 60-40, maybe 70-30 mix. Uh, 30% vermiculite, 70% garden soil. And put in a ton of onions that responded almost immediately. They were, um, I bought a pound of onion starts when I was up in uh, northwestern Wisconsin and I dropped those in. They're, they're white onions and they just exploded. So I'm really excited to see what, what they've done in a week. Um, I've also put, saved uh, five uh, basil plants that were not doing too well in the leaf mulch. I think the leaf mulch is too thick and it's almost creating a dampening off um, problem with some of these plants. So I might have to remove some leaf mulch. Um, but I saved these uh, basil plants, put them in there as an experiment. I also had some extra um, pepper plants, and I wanted to see what would happen. So I took, uh, I think I've got two of every variety. So two reds, two yellows, two orange bells, and put them in, I think, a banana, one banana pepper. And I put those in the garden, uh, the gutter, the lower tier of the garden, of the gutters. And I just wanted to see what would happen. And, and they seem to be responding very well right out of the blocks. I think um, I've been having, back to the leaf mulch issue, some of the peppers have not been doing well and some of the basil plants have not been doing well because they've just had too much moisture 
trapped next to their to their stems and it's just been creating this rot or this dampening off or mold problem and it's killed the plants killed a few plants i've had to do replace them already so you know you live and learn and uh you know i'm not always perfect folks i always i always learn every year something something <laughs> something always pops up that uh that teaches me that uh that I'm still learning too, right? But that's why we continue to learn, do, and grow. So, yeah, I've got that going on. So I've got, I have expanded the garden. Um, you know, on the gutter gardens, if you want to do something like that, um, remember a couple things. One, these vinyl gutters do get a little flimsy. Uh, it's just the nature of them. I mean, think of it that you, uh, you put them on your house and they are attached to this, to the, uh, the side of your house there. So they do get constant support. Um, here I'm attaching to three, um, vertical two by fours that are the, that fit right on the fence there and are zip tied to defense poles. But there's areas of the gutter, gutter that are not supported. So it's flexing a little bit and, um, I just don't like the way it looks. I think it looks a little off. So I'd like to, um, I'll see if I, uh, I might just leave it be for now until the end of the season, then clear out the soil from those, uh, from the gutters and, and, uh, support those a little better with some two by fours or, or one by twos. Um, but just give them a little support so they straighten up and look good. Um, so they get a little, they get a little flexible, uh, so as I was saying, with gutter gardens, with gutters as garden beds, the key is you have air surrounding the whole system. So with the sun, with the air, with wind, these things dry out. You really have to be careful and on it. You can't let them dry out too much or you'll lose all your plants. Uh, everything will dry out and die. So um, I was rolling the dice a little bit in the past three days just because um those plants were kind of struggling with the uh with the overabundance of moisture in the in the um in the square foot garden beds with the leaf mulch so uh i think drying out a little bit will only help them along the way so uh, i'll make sure to water them when i get there i don't know if they got any rain over here in the in minnesota just looking at the sky it is kind of cloudy i hear it's really hot it is 92 degrees and a lot of humidity right now so um we'll have to see how those plants are doing i'm kind of curious to see how everything is doing overall see if i have any more of those cabbage worms uh see how the plants are doing with all that leaf mulch regarding the leaf mulch i had a pretty thick layer in there and uh when i was doing the podcast with michael bell uh and scott hebert recently we talked to uh, Scott, uh, Michael was talking about his soil and how good it was and that he didn't have to water uh, his soil, his plants, because the soil was retaining moisture. And I thought, man, down in Texas in the summer heat, it's retaining moisture like that? you got to be kidding me. He's got to be pulling my leg. But in my own experience here this year in this garden bed, both of these garden beds with a heavy layer of leaf mulch, it's really about an inch down those leaves are really wet i mean really wet saturated type wet and the soil underneath is pretty wet too so i might need to pull some of that leaf mulch out of there or at least pull them away from the plants i think that's what i'm going to do moving forward i really want to keep that leaf mulch in there because i want 
I want the soil to be moist. I, I don't want these plants to dry out. Uh, but if it's going to kill the plants, then it, then I have to take some measures to keep them alive. You know, beyond the cabbage worms and the 60-pound two-year pit bull Labrador that decides to uh, visit the garden. <laughs> so, um, so I'm going to try to pull that leaf mulch away from the base of the plants, let them, um, let them air out a little bit, dry up, dry out just a little bit while the majority of the bed stays, um, weed free and, um, and the soil stays moist and cool. So that is the plan when I get home here. Um, hopefully the damage isn't too bad. The good thing is, as Julie was telling me this last night, I mean, I, I could have been upset, but, Nah, I mean, these things happen. Um, I had planted a bunch of bush beans. Uh, I think I had 12 plants um, of 12 seeds going. So when I get back, there should be some germination there. And I might even put some more bush beans in. Not only will it, um, you know, replace the plants that got um, smushed, but uh, it will add to the soil fertility, um, you know, Bush beans, beans in general, are nitrogen fixers. They'll put nitrogen into the soil naturally. And uh, you ever notice how they will do a soybean and uh, corn rotation? The corn takes out those nutrients. The soybeans put them back in. So I'm going to be doing the same thing here, trying to build, work on some soil. You know, if those plants are all, um, if if some of the basil and some of the broccoli and some of the kohlrabi got uh, destroyed. The tomatoes did not apparently, but if those, those plants got, um, taken out, well, then that just opens up opportunities to put in those bush bean plants. Um, the reason I, I thought I wasn't going to do beans this year. I thought I'd just get them at the farmer's market, but on second thought, I decided, yeah, I really want some beans. Um, I was even thinking of experimenting with, a with a self-watering, uh, planter, for them, but uh, I will just add them into the uh, add them into the garden beds and and build soil. Get some beans. Um, still get a big bunch of beans for dilly beans at the um, at the farmers market. So that is my plan. That's kind of what I had going on in the back of my brain. And I do have some extra um, pepper starts and a couple extra tomato plants. So if worse comes to worse and things are really devastated in there. I'll just add some of those tomato plants or some of those peppers and uh, use up my extra stock um, and uh, and plant things out. So, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world. Uh, the, in other years, I'd probably panic. I'd probably be pretty angry, uh, but it's okay. I mean, I've got other things that I can put in there and we'll do all right. And no reason to panic yet, folks. No reason to panic. Now, if we're in uh, August and things are really getting, uh, things are coming along and then plants are suddenly destroyed, then I might, uh, I might lose it a little bit because um, uh, while some of the family really wants a dog, I've been on the don't want one right now uh, fence. So um, we'll just have to see how this goes. We'll have to see what kind of damage we're dealing with and how much I need to um, adjust in the garden beds. So, yeah, not all of our pests are small or blight. Some of them actually are a little bigger and a little furrier and uh, really nice. But, man, <laughs> come on, man. Don't mess up my garden. So, um, as I kind of mentioned earlier, uh, we'll be taking a look at how to... Um, 
how to mitigate that, whether it's another temporary fence around the garden area. I don't know. Um, maybe hardware cloth instead of uh, taller hardware cloth instead of the chicken wire. Um, really make it into an Alcatraz. I mean, I have built movable fences before, stuff that um, I could take down and move every time I wanted to maintenance garden, and that actually, those actually work pretty good. Um, you know, just need to make it look good. You know, I want it to look good and function, right? So um, I'll have to look and see what measures I want to take um, to uh, mitigate that in the future. So... Other than that, uh, I did notice on some of the zucchini, um, looks like they're a little nutrient deficient over there, so I might have to um, just add some nutrients to the soil. I do have a, um, I am not opposed to adding a little fertilizer to the soil. Um, you know, I did take over these beds last year and, uh, you know, trying to rebuild the soil a little bit. I noticed a big difference between bed one, which is Alcatraz, uh, and bed two, which is Fort Snelling, the one that got crushed by the dog, uh, plants are definitely growing better in bed two and, um, you know, must have some better nutrients. I know I did work the soil a little bit better, uh, when I took over things last year in that bed. Um, so I could add some nutrients to the soil with some, um, some micronutrients mixed with, um, with, with fertilizer and uh, just add some of that maybe with a little Epsom salt and uh, see where we go with it um, if you're wondering what's he talking about this micronutrient thing you know I've, I've done a lot of reading different um, different gardening methods and one gardening method that is out there it's called Mitlighter Gardening at growyourfood.org they, uh, they believe in really intensive growing and maximizing your garden beds um i've really i really do like their style of gardening meaning uh the garden beds are long and narrow so you can work them really easily i really like that i mean their beds are 18 to 36 inches long depending on um you know how you build them out but 18 inches wide um and long like 20 feet long and then they trellis everything so i really like that style um, the one thing I do do not like about that method is uh, they treat the soil as just a growing medium and you know they use sand and sawdust mixture really has no nutrition nutrients in it or not much um, and you know there's different growing medium combinations they use uh, but I, I guess I treat soil as something you want to um, you want to build, you want to uh, improve upon, not just use it as oh this this granular material that I grow my plants in as I fertilizer as I fertilize the hell out of it, um, you know, because every time you're using that fertilizer, you're dumping oil and salt into your you're salting the earth with fertilizer so um you want to be careful with how you use that and i if you are trying to build soil then just dumping copious amounts of fertilizer on your soil is going to eventually wipe out and burn your soil so you don't want to do that either um but i think that some of those plants need a little nutrients i think they need a little uh um you know when you're getting um some browning of the leaves and and um just they don't look healthy so I need to uh, 
just give them a little nutrients. I'll mix up a, um, a solution of it. I don't apply fertilizer in granular form. I, I dilute it down with water. I'll take a big five gallon bucket and add like a cup or two to it and a uh, cup to it. Maybe, maybe, maybe a cup, um, and really dilute it. I'll add probably some coffee grounds too and make that, uh, make a really rich, um, nutrient rich, uh, mixture and, uh, almost like a tea and add it to the soil. So yeah, then we're adding water to plants that might be already stressed because of the amount of water in the soil. But, um, you know, I think by pulling the leaf mulch back a little bit from the stems, I think we'll be okay. So yeah, lots to do. I mean, it's, uh, it's weekend time. It's time to, uh, get engaged with some of these projects and, you know, take a look at how the garden did with me gone for a few days get everything growing and, and getting them going in the right direction. Make sure the pests are taken care of so you don't continually have damage and blight and, and uh, dead plants. So uh, I'm looking forward to be home. I mean, it was a great trip. Uh, like I said, I, my chat batteries are recharged. Um, just really got my motor humming. Um, you know, had a really great podcast with, with Daniel Bokros. Uh, Bokris and with Daniel Bokris and you know we had a chance to talk today it was great talking with him he's really excited that that went up and and uh it just you know it makes you feel good to talk to somebody that you know invested their time in into your efforts and and they really like how the product turned out I makes me makes me happy and and i got some good comments from greg burns captain lumber squash so it's great that the ohio gsd are listening i was getting some comments uh from julie over text about the bees and the pygmy goat which made me laugh as i was doing my work today so um you know it's good to get feedback from folks so if you've got some feedback feel free to fire it in there you know don't be afraid don't be bashful um Maybe we'll get a little laugh. Maybe you'll be a guest on Small Scale Life. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, that's about all I had for you. I hope that you have a great weekend and, and get out there and enjoy the weather. Stay cool. Um, you know, work on your gardens. Work on some projects. You know, maybe plant a few herbs. Why not, right? Even if you don't have any space, plant some herbs. Um, and really try to take advantage of the, the soil and weather and just make something happen make something grow you know plant one thing this weekend just plant one thing and uh, you know make yourself smile a little bit and and take care of that thing so um, see what you can do let me know what you're doing Uh, feel free to leave a comment and uh, and I'll talk to you later so take care everybody remember to continue to learn do and grow this is Tom from Small Scale Life and we'll see you soon take care everybody see ya bye All right. As a corollary, uh, just wanted to break back in here and talk about this a little bit. Um, I thought I had a game plan for taking care of the the dog situation. Um, It was quite a shock. In fact, the intro for this podcast was my actual real reaction as I walked out of the truck and walked up to the garden and was looking at what was left of it. Um, and it, the damage wasn't too bad. It was really isolated garden bed number two or what I call Fort Snelling. Um, since that time, we've had action. We've had digging action. That dog, that lovely dog has done, has dug up garden bed two, garden bed one, Alcatraz. And I've lost some pepper plants. I lost a tomato plant. And then this morning, 
as I was feeding our cat and I didn't want the dog eating all the cat food and they had just had a fight. So I got her outside and she hopped up into both garden beds. So I have a big hole in garden bed two in the Fort Snelling. I, I didn't lose any plants because I have a big hole from when she got in there the first time. And then in garden bed number one, the Fort Snelling bed, I have another big hole in there and I lost, I think I lost one pepper. I think think I lost one tomato. So this is a problem that's not going away. And love the dog. It's great. Love playing with her. But, you know, it's more than just we can't let her outside alone. This is good. We've got to go into a different area. we got to try different strategies. I've talked to I've talked to some different homesteaders who have dogs. You know, we've got all kinds of solutions. <laughs> some are practical, some not so much. Some are low cost, others very expensive. And you really have to weigh it. Um, the dog's going to be with us. She's going to be part of the family uh, one way or another uh, until my son moves out. And so we're going to have to deal with this. And she likes to dig. I mean, I lost comfrey plants already. I've lost, we've got a couple other holes that have been dug up. Now we've got holes in the garden. And it seems to be, that is seems to be a favorite playground now. And we just can't have that. I can't have that. So um, love the dog dearly. So that's not an option, folks. I know what you're thinking, some of you. Stop that. Stop thinking that. So um, uh, we love the dogs. She's great. She's so much fun to play with. So I think what we're going to do in the short term, um, we have low-cost solutions such as putting chili pepper over the plants and over the ground, and uh, she won't like that too much as she starts to dig. That's an option. I've heard Frank's red sauce, uh, red hot, mixed one-to-one with water, sprayed over everything. That was a deterrent as well. That might be a short-term solution. Don't know if it'll work or not, but I'm willing to try at this point. Um, We've had another suggestion, and and hat tip, Adam out in Colorado. Thanks, man, for that suggestion. That was a really good one. Uh, Adam was part of our crew out there as we uh, hung out at Danielle Freeman's uh, farm, Freeman Family Farm, over Memorial Day. So good good suggestion, my friend. Um, Kind of a midterm solution or a mid a mid solution, a little more expensive than that, but not um, way over on the other side of the, uh, you know, anyway, a nice midterm solution or a short term solution is build a better fence, right? My chicken wire fence is too flimsy. It's great for um, squirrels and, um, well, squirrels can climb over it, but great for chipmunk. Well, maybe not chipmunks, but it's great for rabbits, right? <laughs> so it's good for rabbits, um, but it's not good for a 60 pound uh, doggo. So I've got to build a a better fence and whether I fence off that front part of the yard or just around the garden beds, probably the cheapest way is to do it right around the garden beds. Uh, probably a three foot high fence with uh, hardware, uh, hardware cloth instead of chicken wire, just something a little more beefy, something that's going to discourage her from jumping up there. That's probably the solution I'm going to go with for kind of a mid solution. So hat tip, uh, J- Jason Gray from Gray Area Farms and the Regenerative Dad podcast. Go listen to those guys. Guys are great, Danielle and Jason. Um, so that was another good suggestion. Third suggestion was Daniel Bookris out in Ohio, one of the Lumber Scotch Squatch crew. He was recently interviewed, and the interview is here on Small Scale Life. He suggested getting a um, electric fence, a low vo- a low voltage electric electric fence around it. But even he admitted that he shocked himself a couple times. And since I don't want to really shock myself, and it's kind of an expensive solution. Um, 
I don't think we'll be doing that. These are small garden beds. I think I can figure uh, out a fencing solution for that. that that'll work. So that's kind of what's going on in uh, with those two garden beds. Got some work to do this weekend to try to shore up everything um, and make this work. Because I, I just can't lose more plants at this point. And um, it's just got to work for me as well, right? This is, this is why I garden is to relieve stress and to um, produce good food for the family. And uh, while I've got some quick growing crops that I'll fill in some holes and I do have some spare peppers that haven't been uh, given away yet, uh, it's a good thing I didn't give them away. I've got one tomato left and I've got a few peppers, so (laughs) I'm running out of stuff here. So I'm going to put those in the garden here and replant. It's just it's just one of those things. Um, Also, as a quick garden update, we've had a lot of rain over the past um, We've had a lot of rain over the past few days. Nothing like what's hit up in Houghton, Michigan, or up in the northern part of Wisconsin. Nikki Halverson, we, we're with you. Hopefully you get uh, power back and your internet back here and don't drive over any uh, uh, roads that have washed away. But uh, there's been a lot of damage in the northern part of the state, with northern Wisconsin and upper peninsula Michigan with all these big big storms that have come through. And Colorado has just been getting hammered with with hail. Huge hail, like fist-sized hail. Maybe not that big, but big hail out there, golf ball size at least, if not bigger than that. So some folks have lost their gardens completely. I shouldn't complain. I really shouldn't. I should be thankful. But um, I've noticed with my gutter gardens that, um, you know, that soil has gotten really heavy. And these there's, there's one thing about the gutter gardens that you need to know. I mean, these gutters are vinyl. And they're not steel, and they flex. So as that soil has gotten heavier, it started to tilt forward. So I need to develop some supports to put on that, shore everything up, and um, you know get everything on the level. So I, I don't want to lose uh, all the onions, the peppers, the basil. Everything in there is doing awesome, and I don't want to lose that. So I'm going to have to shore everything up. And uh, I'll have a post on how to do that. Uh, it'll all be part of a bigger um, uh, gutter garden um, post. So I want to really focus on that. And, you know, these are great ways to grow some stuff. And guess what? It's out of the reach of the dogs. Even better. But, um, you know, it doesn't help if everything's going to fall out of it as it tilts forward. So um, I'll have some posts on that uh, or on a post on how to build this and how to shore it up and really probably how I should have built it in the first place. So that'll be coming here on Small Scale Life as I get that done. So how do we put this all together? You know, at times having a garden can just be really rewarding, right? I mean, you get fresh food, you know exactly what's going on that food. It's so you get so proud and so excited to watch these plants grow and stretch to the sun and then develop see all the pollinators come in and do their thing and it's just it's therapeutic it's so awesome i love it i love the work with the dirt and see the night crawlers and the worms and i you know as this dog is ripping up the soil in the garden bed you know i'm seeing all these worms and all of these night crawlers and it's like wow there's a lot of life here right things are awesome don't dig it up (laughs) But other times, you know, the garden can be frustrating. You know, it's always an adventure. It is. And that's why we say it's a little urban, a little simple living, little urban homesteading, little gardening, little adventure. It's all these things. Um, But the biggest piece of advice, I kind of said it at the beginning of the podcast, is check your plants and make sure there's no critters chewing on your leaves and stem. You know, the cabbage worms, they blend right in there. Um, They 
they chew on those leaves they blend in with the leaves on the kohlrabi and the the broccoli and they they just they blend right in it's really hard to see same thing with the um the hornworms that'll attack your uh, your tomato plants i have not seen those i'm going to keep my eyes open and squash borers just dig into the stems of your vine the stems of your squashes and zucchini and just tunnel everything out and if you see that sawdust sitting at the bottom of your zucchini or your squash plant and your leaves are starting to wilt and die you know you've got them and you can get rid of those things as soon as you can so, of course, you know, we were just talking about we have bigger pests too, right? We've been battling chipmunks for years, squirrels for years, rabbits for years. Uh, we have a rabbit that's eaten up the comfrey. Uh, and I found that chicken wire fencing is is effective to keep those pests out, you know, um, that works. But then we have other pests that are more difficult to manage, right? The 60-pound half pit bull, half lab who loves to dig is more challenging. Some of you are dealing with massive deer populations, or if you haven't yet, you will. Jay, I'm looking at you, buddy. Um, you know, this is a great dog. She's so friendly. She's so nice. She's so friend- She's so loving. But she's just discovered that the, the garden is her sandbox and her playground, so to speak. So... Like I said, I talked to these other homesteaders about the dog question and, and how to handle this from low-cost solutions to, you know, pretty high-cost electric fencing solutions. So, like I said, going to use some chili powder in the short distance in the short uh, in the short term here. Short, uh, chili pepper or the Frank's red sauce um, mixture. And then for the longer term solution, I'm going to beef up our fencing. Just going to have to do it. Bite the bullet. You know, I'm going to have gardens here and we just I'm just going to have to fortify things a little better than what I was doing. It's it's part of the deal. Um, So I just have to protect what's left and and then I have to get new plants in the ground to replace what was lost. Um, If I don't, there won't be anything. There will be nothing this season because we'll have just, uh, you know. We'll just have dirt, and that's no fun. So <laughs> so this is what's going to happen this weekend. I uh, hope you enjoyed uh, this pod, this podcast. Hopefully you got something out of it. Remember, there is a YouTube video. There's several YouTube videos going up on some of this stuff. You can actually see Karma jumping into the – my first – time i saw her try to jump into the fence and it was like oh that's not good um so check your plants right check out the videos check your plants listen to some of the other podcasts they're really good they're really good if i do say so myself they're really good um i'll be at i'll be back soon to talk more about the garden i've got another podcast coming up it's all queued up it's on the road and you'll kind of like that one it's me talking about my trip to wisconsin be a lot of pictures in that so that's kind of folding into the adventure and something i'd like to do a little bit more of uh i've got i've got so many pictures from trips and adventures that i just need to start posting them and then homesteaders i got a great podcast coming up with greg burns and jay dolan That'll probably drop next week. I'll be on the road again next week. It'll be kind of interesting. Uh, So stay tuned, right? Stay tuned. There's going to be always something changing here at Small Scale Life. This is Tom from Small Scale Life. We'll see you soon. Take care, everybody. (laughs) 